Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Are you guys ready to uh, dive into the message today? You know, I don't know if you realize this, I, I share this every once in a while, but I'm one of seven kids. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, everybody would ask them, do you just like kids? And my dad would say, no, we just like making babies. And so they had seven kids with a 22-year age gap. And uh, some of you may know this, others of you may not, but my youngest sister actually won the show Cupcake Wars. Any of you guys ever watch Cupcake Wars? Right. And uh, I don't know if you know the premise behind the show, but uh, they're filming and they've got these three uh, bakers and their assistants, and then they, they spring them with this secret ingredient. Ingredient. Like, okay, this is the secret ingredient that you've got to build your entire recipe around right here on the spot. The pressure is on. And, and my sister's secret ingredient was cow tongue. I mean, how are you supposed to work in cow tongue into a cupcake, right? But then I found out the behind the scenes. They actually gave them the secret ingredient six months before they even filmed the show. Yeah, I just messed up your whole world. I'm sorry. It's not a reality show. They gave them the secret ingredients six months before, and they said, bake it and do everything you can, but log all the good stuff and the mistakes. And when you show up on site for two days of filming, we're going to reenact all of your mistakes. How crazy is that? Now, she actually won because the judges have never actually tried it, so she did win, and she's, she actually got royalties on her cupcakes. Can you get a crazy idea right there? Anyways, all that to say, I might get in trouble because I'm revealing the behind the scenes of Cupcake Wars, but sometimes we live life like that. We present the polished, perfected presentation that we want other people to see, maybe even seemingly self-righteous if I can and we display it proudly. This is who I really am. But behind the scenes, there's some junk. And if we're just being blatantly honest, not just junk, but maybe even some sin. And we try to hide it, we try to cover it up, and we try not to let people see the real me. I want you to see the polished presentation that I've worked on, I've perfected so well. And and secretly, there's some stuff behind the scenes that's actually got a corrosive and destructive power, and that's what this series is all about. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal and remove the corrosive power of sin in our life while simultaneously restoring you to your original intent. Let me give you some good news up front. Because this series is not a, an easy one. It's kind of a challenging one at times. But the good news is this, Romans 6, 12. And this has kind of been our theme verse. By the way, if you're not taking notes, I want to encourage you to. You can grab your phone and text the word notes to the number that all of you have memorized because you love the movement, church. And it'll be on the screen for you, even though I told them to put the verse real quickly. You can text the word notes. You can follow along. And listen, those are my notes that I've sent to our tech team. So you're getting what I'm about to preach. And then you can save it and go back and access it all throughout the week. But look at what Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says. It says, sin is a dethroned monarch. And I want that word picture to resonate in your mind. That it no longer has power and authority in your life. Or rather, it doesn't have to. Look at the next line. It kind of suggests... The, the complimentary sentence to that statement. So you must no longer give it the opportunity 
to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. Sin's a dethroned monarch. You and I don't have to live controlled by the power of sin, yet so many of us still give sin the opportunity to control how we live and act and think and believe. We've gotta get sin out from behind the scenes so we can remove its power in our life. So my title for today's sermon is The Ox, the Spartan, and Freedom. I think that's worth writing down. I felt kind of creative about that one. The Ox, the Spartan, and Freedom. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you're already here doing something profound. We thank you that you showed up in a powerful way. And Lord, I just pray that you'd move in and throughout our lives. And we open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever you want to say and do. And and God, as we say almost every week, we give you permission to rearrange the furniture of our lives. And Lord, I thank you that you love the cowboys. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Oh, is it? It's been 20 years. It is sad, actually. We all struggle. We all struggle with sin. Listen, you, you don't, none of us can think that we've arrived and we've gotten to a place of spiritual maturity. If you're here and you don't know what it is that you believe, permission to belong before you believe. In fact, we want to be a church where people of all faith backgrounds and journeys can be in the same room at the same time with this thought, openness to what God can and wants to do. But all of us deal with sin, regardless of your heritage, regardless of your faith background, whether you are a pastor's kid or just straight heathen, it doesn't even matter. And we got to recognize that because sin is very real. Look at what Jeremiah 17 says. This is kind of a profound scripture and it's a little bit dark. So hang with me. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It says this, the heart is hopelessly dark. And some of us know that. Some of us actually felt that way walking in today. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. And I think many of us would agree because there's components and things that we think and walk through throughout the day and the week that we hope and pray nobody ever finds out we think that. It's a hopelessly dark puzzle. Look at this. But I, God, search the heart and I examine the mind and I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are and not as they pretend to be. And that's some good news. And I'll tell you why. Because God chooses to love us despite of the sin in our life. And he always wants to get to the root. What's interesting is in the three years of Jesus' ministry, he, he said very little about the origin of sin, where sin came from, but he did trace it to the human heart and will. And then what he did is he significantly redefined the scope of sin where the pharisaical law and portions of the scripture could assess only people's actions, Jesus now showed that things like anger and contempt, lust, which is a thought and an internal motive, the hardness of heart and deceitfulness are also sinful. He also spoke, listen, of the sins of neglect and good deeds left undone. He redefined the scope of sin. He, he literally talked about the unused talent as a sin and love never shown. And he especially condemned sins of unkindness. I mean, the fruit of the spirit after all is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And if that's the fruit of someone who follows Jesus, then when I lack that, 
Jesus is proposing that, my friends, perhaps that too is a sin, a sin of selfishness and an insensitivity. When sin, regardless of what it is, whether you fit in the category of something that I just mentioned or something completely erratically different, when sin controls me and my life, it beckons me to keep it secret. It beckons me to keep it secret. I don't want anyone to find out. And then when it's a secret, it has power in my life. And that's what we discussed in week one. When sin is kept in secret and has power in my life, then it utilizes distractions to keep me from dealing with its power in my life. And that's what we discussed in week two. And then when sin is power in my life and I fail to deal with it, our default is to unintentionally, listen, magnify it through the power of isolation. We unintentionally magnify the power of sin in our life through isolation. And this is absolutely the most scary component to secret sin, the power of isolation. This is more scary to me than something that's been kept in secret or someone that is using and allowing distractions to keep them from dealing with it is when somebody begins to isolate themselves because of sin. And what I'm not gonna do is let people get too close to me. I'm not gonna let people see who I really am. I'm not gonna see what's really happening. I'm gonna get close, but just far enough away where I, I, I can kind of build a relationship, but you don't really know what's going on in the confines of my life. Look at what Proverbs 18 says. It says, he who willfully separates himself from God and man, look at this, seeks his own desire and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. I want to share with you a few things that isolated sin says. I want to share with you a few things that what isolated sin would communicate to you and to me. I want you to write these down. Number one, isolated sin says I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Some of you are thinking about a Bieber and DJ Khaled song right now. It's a totally different song. I want to sing it, but I won't for your sake. Isolated sin says, I'm the only one. No one else struggles with this. No one else would think the things that I'm thinking or act the way that I'm acting. Isolated sin, I begin to see everyone else who's got everything in their life so put together. It looks like they've got it figured out. Why can't I seem to figure this thing out? I'm the only one who seems to struggle with this. Never forget, I sat down with one of our key leaders here a couple years back, and he just hit a rut in his life. And I said, tell me what's going on in your world. And he started shaking and sweating profusely and just started telling me about the things he was dealing with. And I said, man, I struggle with the same thing. He said, are you kidding me? I just see you and this person and this person. It seems like you've got every Your marriage is functioning well. Everything is perfect. I was like, bro, you are literally smoking crack. Isolated sins says I'm the only one. And when I'm the only one, guess who I'm talking to? Myself. Wow. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> I'm in an argument with myself. And the only person who loses that battle? Me. In debate, it was called the affirmative versus the negative. Did you guys ever take debate? Here, okay, we're, teacher says, here's the a topic. We're going to talk about X. And you know what? You're going to be the affirmative. You're going to be the negative. Now, let's battle, right? But in life, we're both. 
the affirmative and the negative, and we argue back and forth with ourselves, just like the scripture says. So now I'm quarreling against all sound wisdom. And that leads to either physical isolation, where literally I kind of moonwalk out of situations. I stop building relationships. I stop hanging out with people. I'm loosely available. Or what's even worse is emotional isolation. And I think, guys, we're really good at this. But it's not limited only to men. And emotional isolation is when I'm present, but I'm not fully present. And I think we've mastered the art of being around people, building relationships, but never, ever scratching below the surface. So here's the good news. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. The good news is we all need a savior. In fact, there's a Bible verse that puts us all on the same playing field, regardless of what your heritage is, that all have sinned and fall short. Encouragement. Isn't that exciting? But the Bible also says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's another thing that isolated sin says. Isolated sin says if, if found out, people will think I'm blank. If they find out how I've acted or what I've done or what I think or what I've said or how I've behaved, then they'll think that I'm blank. And here's what I know for a fact. I know that you as an individual, you fill in that blank on a regular basis. You've given yourself a label. In fact, I didn't have to say the word in the blank for your life because you already know I, I am, I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, I'm a fake, I'm a false, I'm a phony. You, you fill in that label, that blank on a regular basis. Why? Because that's exactly the way that the enemy works. If you remember from week one, we begin to believe that we are the label. And here's what we're terrified of. The reason we isolate is because it's one thing for me to think that about myself, but if I get close enough to someone and they see the same thing and say the same thing, then it just becomes a little bit more real for me. And I just don't know if I can actually handle that. As humans, we're not hardwired to handle rejection. None of us are. I don't care how strong and confident you are. We're not hardwired to handle rejection. And, and if we're honest, we've all been hurt before by somebody. If you're here today and you've been hurt by someone you love, would you raise your hand for me? Thank you. Now let's be honest for a moment. If you're here today and you've hurt someone that you love, would you raise your hand for me? It's amazing how we operate because we're so concerned about what people might think of us. And here's the other sad truth is all of us in this room have treated people poorly because of their behavior. It's hardwired into who we are. No one should ever know because no one can possibly relate. And then Megan talked about last week how most of us at that point we begin to involve distractions into our life. We even distract people in the midst of relationship and connection because we don't want them to ask the tough questions. We kind of dominate the conversation so they can never get to that place to ask the tough question. I played golf with a friend this past week and got to the third hole. I always wait to the third hole to start dropping bombs because I think, oh, it's going to be light and easy. And I asked him a question. He's like, whoa, I was not ready for that. I go, what do you think? You're going to play golf with your pastor? I'm not going to ask the hard-hitting questions? He started sweating, and it wasn't even that hot outside. <laughs> Why do I do that? Because I love that guy, and I believe in his future. Yeah. 
Are you tracking with me? We go so far even to deceive ourselves because we've learned to live with it, the secret sin. And here's the sad and scary part is if you argue with yourself long enough, eventually you'll begin to believe the lies. And the label become a name, which leads to isolated sins next and only conclusion. So isolated sin first says, I'm the only one. And then it says, if so-and-so or anyone else finds out, they'll think I'm blank. And then the next obvious conclusion that isolated sin says is, there is no hope. There's no hope. This is who I am. It's who I've always been, and it's probably who I'm always going to be, so I guess there's just no hope for me. And my friends, if I could just encourage you with something, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do and wants you to believe. You don't have to live that way. There's always hope. That's why we exist as a church, to remind people that there's always hope. I love how Jesus said, see, Jesus was always speaking the truth and right after the truth that's painful was spoken, he would follow it with a reminder of his overwhelming radical grace for us. In John chapter eight, verse 34, Jesus said this, I tell you solemnly that anyone who chooses, notice that word, chooses, chooses. It's not because it's who you've always been and it's who you always will be, but if you choose, it's not because of who your parents were or who your parents were not. It's if you choose. It's not because you didn't have the right upbringing to know what the word of God says, but if you choose a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave, and that's what isolated sin says. You're a slave to this. It's a choice, but you're a slave to this. It's a choice, but you can't change it. And I actually begin to believe change is inevitable, or it is not possible, rather. But that's not God's hope for you and for me. Look at what the next verse says. Two verses down, Jesus says in verse 36, but if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. If the Son sets you free, so he says, here's the truth. If you choose a life of sin, it's slavery, it's painful, there's no reward in it. It's the same thing you've been experiencing, but it's a choice and you don't have to choose it. Why? Because the sun sets you free, so keep living free through and through. God wants freedom for you, and so do we as a church. It's one of the reasons, and listen, we have connect groups that happen four times a year, four different semesters, but there's one connect group that I specifically want every single person in our church to go through, and those are our freedom groups. Because why? We'll sit down in a, at a table with just a few other people, and we'll be real and authentic and really deal with the junk on the inside so that you can actually live in freedom. We've got a connect group semester starting in just a few weeks and you can sign up for any one of them that you think is going to work for your schedule. But look at me, you can't do this thing on your own. You need people around you. So let me now tell you a few things, three reasons why you should not isolate. Can you all keep writing some notes down? Three reasons why you should not isolate. Write this down. Don't isolate for your sake, for your sake. Look at what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. 
be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Listen, you don't want to isolate for your sake. Why? Because there's a real enemy. As much as there's a real God in heaven, there's a real enemy. And he's doing everything he can, the Bible says, to kill, kill, steal, and destroy your life. And you can't do it on your own. You need people in your world. I know many of you probably already know this, but there's an animal referred to as a musk ox. They live in the Arctic Circle. And the male musk ox at shoulder height will grow to about five feet tall. And they'll end up weighing a whopping 800 pounds. They're the second largest animal in the Arctic Circle, second only to polar bears. But these massive and mean and, may I say, hideously ugly, I feel like that every morning when I wake up. Gosh, can y'all take that down? I'm looking in a mirror right now. This is bad. That's what my back looks like, for real. <laughs> These guys literally, as massive and as ornery and as ugly as they are, they actually have a predator, and it's the Arctic wolf. The Arctic wolf is three times smaller than this stinking beast is, and they don't go after the male musk ox. They go after the young, and you know how they do it? They force the herd into a panic, and the herd begins to run, and as they run, they spread out, and then the wolf will come in with its pack and pick off the young. The weaker vessel. Oh, somebody's like, oh. Here's the crazy thing. Arctic musk ox were not created to run. They overheat. They were created to stand actually in a wall and protect each other. You've probably seen pictures. I think we might have one where they actually form a circle around their young. And they behave differently than any other oxen. Across the entire world, no other oxen will form a wall in the shape of a circle and protect their young because musk oxen know that they're a family. They realize they're a family and that if left unprotected, that wolf is going to win. Look at me. You can't live this life alone. You need people. You need godly people around you who right now may be stronger than you are. Maybe not always, but right now, there's some godly people who may be stronger than you are. When you isolate, you lose. You need godly people around you to help build a wall where you used to build an open door to foolish choices. To say, hey, when you're weak, not only is God strong, but we're gonna be right here in this battle with you. You need godly people around you. So don't isolate for your sake. Let me tell you another reason not to isolate. Don't isolate for my sake. Don't isolate for my sake. Now you guys know probably because of movies and not from history, but the Spartans had this, this battle process they would go through called the phalanx, phalanx system. And it's very similar to the musk ox. It's where the infantry would take their shields and they would link up with a soldier on their right and a soldier on their left on either side and their shields would protect them from the enemy. And each shield had a gap for spears to project forward. So now I am stronger because my strength is no longer based upon who I am alone, but it's based upon me and the soldiers on my right and left. Left alone, I'm susceptible from multiple directions. And here's the bigger problem. I only have one spear. 
But in a phalanx system, Spartans are not only more protected like the muskox are, and they're stronger, but now they have more arsenal, more ammo in their arsenal. They have more ammo in their arsenal. And listen to me, when I hear your story, the things that you've walked through, the secret sin that you've dealt with, I realize I'm not the only one. You see, I, I've been listening to myself argue as well. Now, I've been listening to the lies of the enemy, and I've got labels that I put on myself too. But when we do this thing together, your story, man, it gives me weapons to fight the battle that I need to fight, but I can't do this on my own to get at all. But together, not only are we stronger, but you've got a spear and you've got a spear and you've got a spear. Are you tracking with me? Then we kick some devil butt. We're part of a family. I mean, that's the reason I love our pastoral team because they're seriously jacked up and in recovery. And I know every single one of their stories. And we link up together, not because I'm stronger than you, but together we're stronger and we all have the weapons that we need. And there's something freeing that takes place when I can share with you what my story is. And there's something empowering that takes place when you share your story with me. And I begin to realize I'm not alone. I'm not the label. And there is hope. Are you tracking with me? But sin would lie to us. Sin would say, stay isolated. Sin would say, it's better this way. Sin would say, don't let anyone find out. But that's not the hope that God has for you. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2, the entire chapter 2 is like my life chapter. And this is the message paraphrase. It says this, you are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders, but you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone else. Look at this. God is building a home. Look at this. God's building a home. Why would you have a home if it's just for you? He's building a home for every single soul that would say, I'm open to what God wants to do. And look at what he's doing. He's not building a home with just Pastor Carrie and Megan. He's not building a home with speakers or with El Toro High School or Laguna Hills High School. He's not building a home with a beautiful screen and a projector and pop-ups and banners and tents. He's not building a home with anything other than people. You. And you. And look how he's doing it. Irrespective of how you got here. The scripture goes on to say, a home where God is quite at home. Man, we need each other. And you know what? The world that we live in needs some people who need each other. Are you tracking with me this morning? So don't isolate for your sake. And don't isolate for my sake. And don't isolate for freedom's sake. Don't isolate for freedom's sake. I love what Galatians 5.1 says. Look at this scripture. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So he set you free to experience freedom. Not because he wants something from you, but because he wants something for you. 
But it doesn't end right here. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So obviously Jesus recognized that we were going to struggle with the notion of freedom. He recognized we were going to struggle with the concept of constantly wanting to isolate ourselves from from the people that we're doing life with, from, from allowing people to get close enough. He said, so stand firm. Stand firm. Look at this. And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The word yoke, it's not something that we use too often unless you're referring to a guy that you see in the gym or eggs. That was funnier than you laughed at. I almost said me, but then we all would have laughed. Remember the muskox picture? A yoke was this, this piece of farming equipment that had two arches, very similar to McDonald's, but not with long legs. And it would go on top of oxen. And then they would attach to the yoke the reins so that the driver could control where the oxen would go or how they would plow the fields. And the imagery, the word picture of the yoke is not because the Bible is calling you an ox, but it's the imagery and the word picture of oppression, the weight of sin. And that's what sin does. There's a weight and you feel it. And that's really one of the main reasons why we don't want people to know because that weight, we're terrified of the consequences of and the humiliation if it was revealed. But here's what I can tell you, you don't wanna live with this yoke. You want freedom. You're created to live free. It was for freedom that Christ set you free, so stand firm. And don't submit, don't choose the yoke of slavery any longer. It's your choice. It's what God has for you. It's what God wants for you. But it's your choice. It's your choice. Some of you just need some freedom right now. You know, you, you, you know that God's been dealing with you about some specific areas of sin. I don't know what it is. And frankly, I don't care. I care less about what's happened in your past and I care more about what God has for your future. So what is the, what's the area of sin that's been in secret isolation in your life? From the front to the back, the side to the side, whether you're a pastor on this team or brand new, what's the thing that you need to surrender to the Lord? In fact, I want to take a moment and give the Holy Spirit a chance to do something that's going to be scary and powerful. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. No one, including in the tech booth. Nobody needs to be watching. But I believe there's some people here, and you're, you know I'm dealing with some stuff, some junk, some sin. And it feels like a yoke of oppression. And I I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to pray for you in a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you or isolate you to call you out to the front. But right now, sometimes the best step we can take, in fact, the word says just that confession. 
So if you're here and there's something that you're dealing with, I don't care what it is. In a moment, I want to pray, but first, I want to know who I'm praying for. And on the count of three, I'd ask for you just to raise your hand if that's you, no matter what it is. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three, lift your hands. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Anyone else? Hmm. The Holy Spirit's here right now and he's doing something awesome. Right where you're seated, I just, maybe in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, why don't you just confess that sin to God and just say, God, would you forgive me? Nobody has to hear. Lord, we thank you that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Your hope today is not to point out our deficiencies, not to point out our failings, but to point out our future. So God, we just confess that to you now and ask that you forgive us. Lord, we don't want to submit any longer to the yoke of slavery, but we want to experience freedom for which you set us free. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes still closed, nobody looking around. I want to talk to some of you who are here today, and you need to begin a journey with Jesus. I'm not talking about church membership, and I'm not talking about getting everything perfect in your life, but to begin the journey with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus paid the ransom, he paid the price, the cost for the sins of humanity. And the only way to experience real freedom is by beginning with Jesus. And some of you have never made that decision. It's a moment. And in fact, you don't have to do anything to earn it. You just simply have to believe. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, in a moment, I'm gonna give you a chance to do just that. And some of you in this room, Maybe you raised your hand a moment ago. You've been running from God and today is your day to come running back, to start over brand new, fresh with Jesus. And this moment is for you too. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer or you need to pray it today again for the first time in a long time, I want you to repeat this after me. But now with this prayer, I want everyone in the congregation to pray with their voices and with faith. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God, come on, everybody say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Thank you for seeing past my weakness. Thank you for giving me a hope and a future. Now make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. You're a good and a faithful God. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your freedom. And we thank you for the hope that this future has for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. 
Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.